Pastor Xavier Reese asks, Are your material goals causing spiritual bankruptcy? You remember the rich young businessman in Luke 12, and God says, Fool, does not your soul be required of you? Whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Not nothing wrong with the money, but you're rich in that, but you're poor towards God. You're not rich. Our perspective here on earth is very twisted unless we know the Word of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Author and poet Thomas Merton is known for cautioning. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success, only to find, once they reach the top, that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And so, when it comes to the pursuit of wealth, Pastor Xavier says it may be too late before we discover earthly riches have no value in the eternal. And today, he'll illustrate this costly simple truth by retelling the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Let's listen. Luke chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 19 through 31. And the message is entitled, Be a Wise Investor. Notice in 19, the rich man is given to us. He is identified by a social position. There was a certain rich man, one of many of that day. He had all kinds of money. He obviously was a good investor of his generation, even as the parable of the unjust steward, his shrewdness. Notice the beggar Lazarus then comes into view here, verse 20 and 21. He's identified also by his social position. But there was a certain beggar. This places him in the sharp contrast to the rich man in the place of poverty. The person destitute of wealth, uh, position, influence, or power. Yes, he has absolutely nothing. He also is identified by his personal name, which is different now. Lazarus. The name Lazarus means whom God helps. Come again? We're going to find out he's a believer. And his name means whom God helps? And he's in poverty? See, because there are some people in the Christian community who tell you that if you really have faith, you will be wealthy, healthy, Name it and claim it. And that's evidence of your spirituality. Nothing can be further from the truth. You can be the poorest and the most spiritual and be the wealthiest and headed for hell on a fast track. His name comes from the Hebrew name Eliezer. Now remember, he's going to be in the bosom of Abraham. How interesting, Abraham had a servant named Eliezer. Notice the fact that his personal name is stated... So many have believed that this is a story, a true story, not a parable. I believe that also. First, because it's not called a parable. Second, because a personal name is used and in no other parable are personal names ever used. Jesus is going to give us information here that is not fictitious. It is absolute true revelation about something that they had no idea about prior to this teaching as Jews. Notice he, Lazarus, vulnerable state is declared who was laid at his gate, the rich man's gate. Someone would just carry him someplace and just drop him off at that location. Someone placed him here at the rich man's gate, designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. 
the two men in life lived on opposite economic levels on earth. What a chasm between them here. But the second movement, there's a dramatic change. The two men after death, 22 to 26. The time for the beggar Lazarus to die came. And um, Lazarus took his last breath. Now notice Lazarus was instantly ushered to Hades. And it was, he was carried by the angels to the Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is identified as Hades in verse 23 for us. And as we move through, it will start developing and we'll touch the other aspects of the Hades and Sheol. Now, notice angels are ministering spirits to the earth's salvation. These angels just grabbed them and just ushered them right before Abraham. And the bosom indicates that you're reclining to eat as the disciples with Jesus and you're leaning back on the bosom, peaceful, comfortable. Abraham is the father of faith and Lazarus identified as a man of faith. You would have never identified him as a man of faith on earth from just looking at him. What's your name? God helps us. What's your name? Remember Abraham? What's your name? Father of many. Oh, how many children have? None. Abraham is pictures the one comforting Lazarus after death. Verse 25. Now notice the end of 22. The time came for the rich man now to die also. The rich man also took his last breath. He died and was buried. He probably had the best physicians available to him. You can imagine all the money he has. They just tried everything. Expense was no problem. We're not told of what he died. And probably he died with his family and friends and all those who wanted to be included in his will. See, the problem with having money is you really don't know who your real friends are. When you're poor, you know who your friends are. You don't have to worry about that. Now notice the rich man was then buried. That means he had a funeral in contrast to Lazarus. I'm sure without doubt it was elaborate, luxurious according to his manner of lifestyle. The rich man was instantly present in Hades though. All this fanfare here didn't matter. The rich man is instantly present in Hades, being in torments in Hades. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. Shocking. He found himself in torments, acute pain, discomfort. The rich man went from a life of luxury and comfort to finding himself in an awful suffering situation. The rich man never would have imagined himself in such a circumstance. He had servants, he could order, he could buy, he could do whatever he could. But notice he was not ushered by angels, but just found there in Hades. So, at death, there's a distinction between believers and non-believers. Hades is equivalent to the Old Testament Hebrew Sheol, the place of the departed spirit. So, prior to this text... All Jewish Hebrews knew that all men died and they went to shield the grave, the place of departed spirits. But they didn't know what we're going to be told here. They were divided in two. He lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham, notice, and Lazarus at a distance and Lazarus in his bosom. Notice he could see. Notice he had consciousness. Notice he saw Lazarus who was in constant pain and suffering on earth, now being comforted. 
The roles have switched. The time came then for the rich man to be gripped with the eternal reality from Abraham 24 and 26. In 24, notice the rich man called on Abraham to relieve his pain. He knew who Abraham was, by the way, but he had not believed in the promise of Abraham. That means he probably was a Jew, unless he was a proselyte. Then he cried out, Father Abraham, in that day was a Lord, Lord. You remember me? I never knew you. Notice he did for the first time what he never did in his entire life on earth. He begged and he pleaded for help. Have mercy on me, pity. He still thought he could give orders and Lazarus was his inferior, he thought. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. The agony is literal. Please do not spiritualize it or make it symbolic. You'll make Jesus out to be a liar. This is information that we never have in the Old Testament of what goes on after people die. Absolute divine revelation. At this point, we're informed that Sheol and Hades was a twofold compartment for the dead. Jesus is speaking. Those who died in faith went to the bosom of Abraham, and those who died apart from faith went to the place of torment. Some interpret the division to be a place of comfort above and the place of torment beneath, because it says he lifted up his eyes. Side by side, up and down, bunk beds, whatever you want. doesn't matter to me. You just don't want to be in the place of torment. Notice in 25, Abraham asked the rich man to reflect on his life on earth in contrast to Lazarus. He asked him to consider how different their lives were. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things and likewise Lazarus, evil things. The rich man delighted in the good things, agathos, indicating good in nature or usefulness. Salutary, pleasant. He was not in torment. Here, because he was a rich man, he was in torment because he did not consider the spiritual things and the important things about God. Though he had all good things around him to benefit him on earth. Lazarus delighted himself in the things of God, even though he received evil things, indicating in nature troublesome, injurious, and suffering. According to the positive confession people and much of Channel 40, the rich man was more spiritual than Lazarus from the earthly perspective because he had money. So who are you going to believe? Pharisees or the words of Jesus? <laughs> Notice he informed the rich man that he and Lazarus were reaping to their belief and trust in God while on earth. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. The rich man considered himself a wise investor in his earthly future. The rich man never considered the future of eternity. Lazarus considered God and eternity. Look at 26. Abraham revealed 
to the rich man that there was a separation between those who died in faith and those who died without faith. See, we don't have any of this information prior to this in the Old Testament. He informed the rich man the two compartments were uncrossable. And besides all this, between you, us and you, there is a great gulf fix. The word gulf fix means a, 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 a great opening or a, it's a great chasm. And notice he informed the rich man that their state was eternal and were prohibited by going from one location to the other. So that those who want to pass, those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. It's an eternal state. During his life on earth, the only thing that separated him, the rich man, from Lazarus was the gate on his house. <laughs> and he never crossed over it to relieve his pain and suffering. It wasn't a priority. It wasn't an issue. You remember the rich young businessman in Luke 12, 20 through 21, who had an abundance of uh, crops, and he said, I know what I will do. I will tear my old bars down, build new ones. I will say um, to my soul, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God says, fool, this not your soul will be required of you. Whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. There's the reason. Nothing wrong with the money, but you're rich in that, but you're poor towards God. You're not rich. God's not part of it. And you may go to church, you may give money, you may give to charitable causes and all that, but if you're not born again, if God's not directing and guiding, if you're not being that spiritual investor seeking the Lord for wisdom, then you're in the, you're in the driver's seat. You're doing things that many pagans do. There was a Texan who was wealthy and he, he wanted to have a real lavish funeral. So he said, I want to be buried in my Cadillac. So, you know, you have money and you do whatever you want. So they have to get a crane, everything else, big old hole. And there they go, man. They're lowering that guy down. They, they you know, got them all embalmed. They're they sitting behind there, strapped them in and all that. And, and somebody there in the funeral said, man, that is living. <laughs> Our perspective here on earth is very twisted unless we know the word of God. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, if you remember the two thieves, they both cursed him and one changed his mind, repented. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said in Luke 23, 43, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus was speaking about that part of Hades and Sheol called the bosom of Abraham, the place of comfort. He called it paradise, which he would descend down to preach to those who had died in faith. And then as he did, he would scoop them up, as Colossians 2.15 tells us, he made a public display of all those demons. They couldn't stop him. And he emptied Sheol, the bosom of Abraham. Paradise, the place of comfort. And he ascended up on high, as Ephesians 4, 8, and 9 says, that he not only descended, but he ascended up high above all things. And so... Jesus transferred paradise, the bosom of Abraham, 
to the third heaven. Paul the Apostle, 2 Corinthians 2, 4, tells us he was caught up to the third heaven, paradise, and he heard things not lawful to utter. So now, the instant a person dies who's a believer, they are instantly present before the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. The minute a non-believer dies, they are instantly present in Hades, only one compartment now, in torment, waiting for the white throne judgment. So Hades today is where the unsaved people go and are eternally separated from God. Until that white throne judgment when the books will be opened and God will judge them. It is appointed unto men to die once and after this is a judgment. Hebrews 9.27 says, The two men after death receive opposite spiritual investment returns in Hades. Now who do you think was a better investor. <laughs> Notice thirdly, the third movement is the two regrets in eternity, 27 through 31. In 27 and 28, the rich man regretted the thought of his five brothers ending up in the same place of torment. Notice his petition was respectful to Abraham. Then he said, I beg you therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house, meaning Lazarus. His concern was that his brothers living on earth would end up there. He says, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. The rich man regretfully heard his petition denied by Abraham. The response of Abraham was that they had all they needed. Remember that. Listen to the words. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. This is not, oh, no, suck it up. Tough. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, God has given Moses and the prophet, and they speak very clearly, and they show the way. God had given the sufficient revelation for sinners to know their need of repentance to be saved. Their need was to hear. The word is a cool. We get acute hearing from it. To attend, consider, and to respond to the writings of Moses on how to live and the prophets to repent. The rich man did not believe scripture was sufficient. Listen to his words. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He was saying, God is not fair, not just. That's not sufficient. He believes he knew better, saying, if someone who has died goes back to them, they will repent. You see, he knew his brothers were not going to pay attention to Moses and the prophets. He knew they were going to be right there with him. The words of Abraham assured him his brothers would not believe Lazarus. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rise from the dead. The word persuaded means to induce one by words to believe or to win over. The time for us to be concerned about unsaved loved ones and friends is while we are living and they're living. Not afterwards, ladies and gentlemen. Pray for those who are lost. Constantly, your friends, your loved ones, those you work with. Tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, His love, and how He desires to forgive them of their sins. And then let your life confirm your message so your proclamation is not canceled out. Invest in the kingdom. 
Be a good investor. The returns are great. There are many outside the church and within the church, like the rich man, lost. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. He addresses both believer and non-believer. But those who desire to be rich fall temptation and snares. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men's destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, not money itself. It's amoral. For which some have strayed from the faith. For greediness, that's believers. So we talk about the non-believer, now the believer. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. There are others who have it very hard in life. And they are spiritual giants before God. Investing in spiritual things. Some of these people make me, your pastor, look like a spiritual pygmy. First Samuel 16.7 gives us the perspective from heaven. God speaking to Samuel, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. And the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We get so caught up on the outside. The principle is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. And then we have to be stewards and abide in Christ and be fruitful. Matthew 6.33 and John 15.1-8. That's it. Everything is God's. I don't, nothing's mine. What am I going to take with me? You ever see a hearse pull a U-Haul? As we move on in Luke 19, 13, listen to the words of Jesus in this parable. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, here's the key. Do business till I come. I like the old King James. Occupy till I come. Are you occupying? Are you doing business for God? Are you investing in the kingdom of God? Are you so caught up with the world? Oh, the market. <laughs> the two regrets... In eternity, we're opposite of God's provisions for sinners on earth. And you have to live with that. All eternity. You ever regret something? And had to live with it? And then by God's grace, He helped you? Well, there's no help in Hades. There's no relief. Not for 10 years, not for 100 years. It's for eternity. So the text of the rich man and Lazarus, the beggar here, is the climax of all the preceding material to illustrate who really is the wise investor while on earth. The immediate connection is the unjust steward. He was shrewd. Jesus said we should be shrewd in the things of God. The two men in life live on opposite economic levels on earth. The two men after death receive opposite spiritual investment returns in Hades. And the two regrets in eternity were opposite of God's provisions for sinners on earth. Are you unsaved? Are you lost? Are you religious? Then you need to be born again. Your opinions do not matter. Your philosophies are not important. They will only harden your heart. The Word of God tells you the truth. You need to be born again unless you perish. He's made provision because He loves you. He doesn't want you to end up in the place of the rich man. He wants to see you in heaven. But you alone can make that decision, no one else.
I pray that you begin to be a wise investor for all eternity. Pastor Xavier Reese with the only spiritual investment plan guaranteed to reap dividends throughout eternity. And today's message titled, Be a Wise Investor, is available as always on CD for only $4. And by the way, we'll also be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now once again, the title to ask for is, Be a Wise Investor, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then tell a friend and join us next time for more Simple Truths from our continuing study series of the Gospel of Luke. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 